Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking into wide open. Touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to talk a little draft because it is now the final week of the 2021-2022 regular season. And, of course, the draft talk started before that because of the Jets' record, but now it's really going to kick into high gear. We've got free agency. And then, of course, the Jets have four picks that look like they are very well going to be within the top 40. So very important draft for Joe Douglas. Let's get into it early. We've been talking to Walter Cherapinski, our friend over at WalterFootball.com, and now we're going to bring in somebody else who I think is going to become a frequent guest once draft season comes around. He not only covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for Generation Jags, so you've heard him on the show before for that. He also has his own draft website because the draft is his true passion. He covers it all at thedraftjournal.com. Great graphics, too, so if you're looking for a graphics guy to hire, he's your man. Jordan DeLugo. Jordan, thanks for coming back on the show, brother. Absolutely. Uh, Happy to be here. Happy to talk some draft, I'm sure. We'll talk a little bit about the situation in Jacksonville as well. But yeah, it really is rounding into draft season here with the last week of the regular season. College football is almost pretty much done outside of the national championship. And uh, we're working our way towards the Senior Bowl and all the other all-star games and uh, the NFL Combine, all that fun stuff leading up to the draft. So it's a really fun time of year for me and for everyone who covers the draft. Jordan, let's start out by talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars since you brought them up. Now, obviously, the draft is a long way away. Right now, it's January. The draft isn't until the end of April. Anything can happen. We've got a whole process to play out. But just from using common sense here, you would think that the Jaguars, with Trevor Lawrence there as their key piece, and with a pass rush that's pretty good, And with three guys that are generally at this moment considered to be the consensus top three in whatever order you put them 
Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan, Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon, and Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama, it would seem to make sense, on paper at least, that the Jaguars would go with Evan Neal. Now, they haven't even hired a coach yet, so that will determine a lot. But do you think that the odds are strong when the smoke clears at this moment, what you're seeing and hearing on the ground, that Evan Neal has a strong possibility of being that number one pick? Yeah, I would say so. And of course, you're right. You said they don't know who the coach is going to be yet. They don't know who the GM is going to be right now. Trent Baalke is still the general manager, but it looks like with the groundswell of um, kind of that grassroots clown movement that I'm sure you've seen from the fans in Jacksonville uh, and that combined with just everyone nationally in the media, locally in the media, coaches, everyone in uh, NFL circles just kind of coming out against Trent Baalke and the potential of him guiding the Jaguars into the future. It looks like Shad Khan is likely to move on from Trent Baalke uh, after Sunday, probably maybe looking at a Black Monday firing for Trent Baalke. Um, if not, my goodness, I think the city of Jacksonville is going to erupt. I think that that would just be a bad deal all around for Trevor Lawrence, for the future of the franchise, for the fans. So I really don't see that happening. Of course, all things are possible. I do not see Trent Baalke retaining his position. But getting back to the question at hand, Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, I do believe those guys are going to be at the top of the draft. Um, Evan Neal, just unbelievable size and athleticism for his size and really flexibility. I think he is the best pass protector and best overall tackle in this class. Uh, I think he's proven that he has the versatility to play left tackle, right tackle, inside. I just don't think that there's a more well-rounded prospect out there. Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are right there, too, as those edge rushers, that value position, getting after the quarterback. Hutchinson's been much more productive in 2021 than Thibodeau, much more consistent against the run, uh, just more polished. And and he's got a very nice, uh, a very nice combination of athleticism, and of size, strength, pass rush, toolbox, motor, leadership, all that stuff. Kayvon Thibodeau is a little bit more developmental, in my opinion. I do think Oregon's new defense in 2021 did not do him any favors. I just wrote him up. I think that you could certainly stand to use him better, just letting him pin his ears back and get after the passer more often. But, yeah, for me, if it's between Hutchinson or Thibodeau, it's going to depend on your scheme and your coaching philosophy, but at the top there, I think Evan Neal should be the pick. Like you said, he can really help you protect Trevor Lawrence. You do have some pieces at the pass rushing position uh, with Josh Allen, who has kind of fallen off of late, but it's hard to judge players based on what has transpired over the last month or so, considering the urban fallout and just the, the distractions as a whole. So yeah, I would lean Evan Neal at this point in time, just because he's going to help you protect Trevor Lawrence. Even if you play him at right tackle, because you have Walker little who you drafted this year in the second round, who is starting to show some potential and some progress at left tackle. Now that he's getting some more playing time, maybe you stick Evan Neal over at right tackle and you have those bookend tackles for the next five plus years. 
Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Jordan, over at thedraftjournal.com, you have daily draft updates, and I wanted to talk about some of the most recent observations you've had. Bowl season is all but over. We have the national championship left to play. Beyond that, we've seen a lot of games, and there's been a lot of chatter about different prospects who may have helped and hurt themselves. Starting on the offensive side of the ball, who are some players that stuck out to you in a positive and negative way from bowl season that may have moved their stock in one direction or another? Uh, Jamison Williams, I mean, my goodness. You know, he's a burner, the wide receiver from Alabama. We've seen that all year. He's just freaky fast. But I think in that semifinal game, Alabama did a really good job of moving him around the formation, using him in different ways, showing his versatility, which I've seen that throughout the season. Uh, But they really did an excellent job of highlighting all the different ways you can use Jamison Williams in an offense against Cincinnati. And I think his stock is absolutely rising. He's my wide receiver one right now because I don't think you have a better combination of catch radius and just pure speed, route running ability, uh, the quick twitch ability, get a defender leveraged outside go inside and you can do the opposite as well with Jamison Williams he can win from the slot he can win outside he's improved against press man coverage throughout the season he's a guy on offense that is just I think the sky is the limit for what he could be at the next level also on offense Evan Neal I think showed what he can do certainly we already talked about him but he went up against Majai Sanders who's going to be maybe late first round, early second round pick, certainly will go on day two. He's a guy for Cincinnati that's incredibly uh, incredibly quick, very fast, high motor, and Evan Neal handled him throughout the day. And I just think Neal has improved dramatically from his freshman year to his junior year now. He's a guy that he's an excellent pass protector dominant at the point of attack in the run game he's improving his balance and body control working to the second level I think you saw all that uh, in the semifinal game for him and then you look at James Cook who is a running back for Georgia that's been overshadowed by some guys at his throughout his career there but he's this uh, younger brother of Dalvin So everyone knows Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings, one of the most talented running backs in football. James Cook has a lot of similar traits to his brother. He's not as well built in his frame. He's about 15 pounds lighter than his brother, an inch taller. So he has a slighter frame than Dalvin. I don't know that he's going to be the workhorse that Dalvin is, but he's a three level um, or three down running back prospect when you look at his ability to carry the rock, his vision, quickness and space. He's slippery through holes. And then he's also a good pass protector and a very good um, uh, receiver out of the backfield. He can even line up at wide receiver and win routes. We saw that against Michigan. So, yeah, those are some guys that I think have done a really good job of solidifying or even improving their draft stock on the offensive side of the ball. Now on the defensive side of the ball, the two obvious examples of guys who seem to have drawn the ire of a lot of people saying they're overrated because of one bad performance, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajobo, the two edge rushers from Michigan. Hutchinson had one pressure, a couple of tackles, but was largely stonewalled, and David Ajobo was completely shut out of the stat sheet. So a lot of people saying that maybe the two of them are overrated. 
I don't know that I see it that way, but you know how it is. Whenever somebody sees something like that in a high-profile game, that's the conclusion that they come away from it with. So let's talk about them and then the rest of the defensive players, either high-profile or not so high-profile, that stood out to you in a positive or negative way that may have moved their draft stock in one direction or another. Yeah, so you look at what happened with Hutchinson and Ojabo. Georgia had a perfect game plan. They have a quality offensive line. They got the ball out quickly. They ran the ball often. They, When they were going to try some deeper shots, they made sure to have uh, a guy to help out the offensive tackle with Aiden Hutchinson. Of course, everyone's going to remember when he just got you know, knocked on his ass, to be quite frank. But that was one play. Uh, these types of plays happen regularly to the best players in football. It's not a big deal. Everyone is latching onto that in this age of just hot takes and, you know, living by the moment here. But when you take a look at the big picture of what Aiden Hutchinson has done, I think there's no question he's still one of the very best. And I think Ojabo is as well. He, he needs to develop. He hasn't been playing football a long time, but the flashes are there for Ojabo and I don't have any issue with either of them after that game. Again, I think Georgia had a perfect game plan, getting the ball out quick, running the ball. And when they did uh, take some shots, they kind of schemed up for that with the protection. And so I'm not overly concerned with either of those two guys. I think somebody who played really well uh, on Georgia is defensive lineman Trayvon Walker. He's going to be a defensive end at the next level. He started his career out at Georgia, playing more on the inside, didn't become a starter until this year, his junior year. And um, Georgia is a team that likes to win the pass rush with stunts, switches, blitzes. They don't really let Trayvon Walker just pin his ears back and uh, rush around the edge as often as I would have liked to see. But you see a guy that's 6'5 and 275 pounds, crazy long arms, uh, ridiculous athleticism in terms of straight line speed, closing speed, lateral agility for a guy, again, that's 275 pounds. I think he has the potential to be the most complete edge defender of this entire class. Now, he didn't get a lot of playing time until this year. He didn't play a ton on the edge until this year. Um, So it takes a little projection with Trayvon Walker. But again, in terms of that skill set and some of the things he's flashed and shown, I think he's already a great run defender um, and he has positional versatility on the defensive line. So I think with all that combined, you could be looking at potentially the best edge defender as a whole out of this entire class. And that's not to take anything away from Hutchinson and Thibodeau and Ojabo and even Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, who I have ranked a little bit higher than Trayvon Walker, but if you can harness Trayvon Walker's God-given gifts and uh, just develop more consistency with more reps and more experience and a more defined role at the next level, he's a guy that the sky is the limit. And he played really well against Michigan, who has some impressive offensive tackles. Um, defensively as well, uh, I think Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner mm-hmm. from Cincinnati, he's a guy that uh, – he didn't get matched up with with um, Jamison Williams all that much, but he still did a great job against Alabama's receivers. 
I don't think he gave up more than 18 yards in primary coverage in a game all season, which is just unbelievable to think about. Uh, he's incredibly long. He's six foot two, really long arms, very linear frame, but he's got good hip fluidity, uh, good lateral agility. I think his speed is up to snuff. So he's a guy that he could be rising throughout the process with his incredible length and his uh, production and dominance over the last couple of years at Cincinnati. You're speaking my language now, Jordan. I love Sauce Gardner. I've been stumping for him for a while. I think he's the best cornerback in this draft, personally. We'll get back to that in a second, but I want to dig in a little bit more on what you said about the edge rushers. Trevon Walker's interesting because, like you said, there's some projection there. But if somebody like Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich take a look at him, see what he did at Georgia this year, and feel like they could make him into a full-time edge in their 4-3 defense, that could be a very intriguing target for them. I don't know where he ends up going in this draft as yet. He could end up going back into the top 10. He could go in the teens. He could go at the end of the round. Still a lot to play out, but that's a possibility there, either with that Seattle pick or if they trade down, especially if they miss out on one of the top two guys, those top two, of course, being Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, and so if they don't get one of those two guys, they have, as of right now, and this could change because Week 18 is pivotal, especially with that Seattle pick. It could fall all the way from number 7 to number 13. You've got the possibility of getting one of these edge rushers here in the first round or even maybe trading back a little bit or grabbing one at the top of the second round, depending on how it shakes out. We talked about Thibodeau and Hutchinson. Just talked about Trevon Walker. You talked a little bit about Maiji Sanders. Let's talk about some of the other guys. David Ajabo. Now, this is somebody who, in the defense that the Jets run, would have to be turned into a 4-3 end and rush that way, which really hasn't been his forte. I think he has the size and speed and ability to do it. It's just going to take some work, but... He's the type of player where you want to talk about ceiling. He has an unbelievable ceiling. You could make the case highest ceiling of any pass rusher in this draft. Drake Jackson, he's somebody who his stock is lukewarm at the moment, it appears. He could go at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. But he could dazzle at the combine. Who knows? There's a lot of possibilities there. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson, who I think could be the third best pass rusher for the Jets in this draft just based on how versatile he is, productive, athleticism, football IQ. He's got all of that. I don't know that he has the upside of a Kayvon Thibodeau or the all-around polish of an Aiden Hutchinson, but I think he's a really good edge rusher and could be very effective in this Jets defense. Talk to me a little bit about these other pass rushers. George Karloft is too from Purdue. What you've heard about him is that very productive, very strong, very technically proficient, but maybe athletically limited. There's some talk about maybe his arms not being super long, so he may fall a little bit. But then there are others that compare him to Ryan Kerrigan, who for my money was one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL for a decade and doesn't get talked about much because Washington was so bad. So let's talk about these guys. Fill me in on the edge rusher class. Yeah, I, I think it's a really intriguing class. And for me, the most polarizing name is is George Karloftis, like you said. He is dominant at the line of scrimmage. Like, there's no question about it. His hand usage, his power, he wins at the line of scrimmage more often than anyone else in this class, in my opinion. My issue with him is that once he gets past his assignment, his man, at the line of scrimmage, he has very little lateral agility. 
So it's very easy to make him miss, even though he's in the backfield. And then his tackle radius is, again, very small because of his length issues. And when you combine no lateral agility, average athleticism um, in terms of straight line and short arms, you get a guy that misses a lot of tackles and misses a lot of potential sack opportunities. It's easy to avoid him. Of course, just getting in the backfield is half the battle. That's a big part of making a play. And if you get in the backfield, then it can cause or allow other teammates, other defensive linemen to uh, finish for you. Um, But yeah, for me, when you talk about him as a potential top 10 pick, I don't think the sack numbers are going to be there in the NFL for him to live up to that status. um, Personally, I do think he's going to be a good NFL player. I just don't know that he's going to be a 10 sack a year type of guy, which is what you want when you're drafting in the top 10. Uh, I would definitely consider him more in the late first round. I think if you could land a guy like him in the second round, that would just be a home run because you don't necessarily need the second round pick to be the double digit sack guy. You can just have him as a excellent starter that can, you know, help everyone else around him on the defensive side of the ball. But I just don't think he's going to be a finisher at the next level. Um, And that's definitely the most polarizing take here because you see some, some people think he's the best edge rusher in the class. And I get that because he wins at the line of scrimmage, but what does he do after that? In my opinion, not enough. Um, Ojabo, I don't think that he really is going to have his skill set maximized in a four, three, because he is a guy that can absolutely drop and cover tight ends and, and man coverage in, in my opinion. And obviously drop into shallow zones and cover the flats and things like that. I think he could, you know, he could work in a four, three. I'm not trying to say that. I don't think he's going to be a dominant run defender in a 4-3 system. I definitely think he fits better in the 3-4 where you can use his athleticism a bit more. But I wouldn't fault the Jets for taking him. I just wouldn't expect him to be a complete three-down, 4-3 edge defender, you know, early on in his career. Jermaine Johnson, I love this guy. And – there seems to be some stigma about him that he doesn't have the ceiling of some of these other guys, but athletically he's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think he's as flexible as Hutchinson, Thibodeau or Ojabo or even um, Trayvon Walker for that matter, but he has great ankle flexion. He's able to bend the edge with his lower body more so than his, um, you know, back and hip flexibility. And, He's incredibly strong, incredibly athletic. He reportedly ran a four five in high school. I mean, that type of speed is going to jump off, uh, you know, when scouts and teams are looking at this guy after he tests and he's got a relentless motor. He's excellent against the run and he's excellent. Always making splash plays uh, as a pass rusher. I think Jermaine Johnson is criminally underrated by some in this class. So, yeah, that's kind of my basic look at at some of these top edge rushers is that Karloftis, I get it, but for me, it's a little risky taking him that early because of the issues I mentioned in terms of his tackle radius, his lateral agility, and and things like that. 
Jordan, you mentioned Sauce Gardner before, so I want to talk a little bit about the cornerbacks before we run. So last issue we'll discuss here today is about the cornerback class. And as far as I can tell, it appears at least at this moment, and this can obviously change the draft is fluid over the next few months. There's five guys that seem to be headed towards a potential first round selection. Those five guys are Derek Stingley Jr., the corner out of LSU, Kair Elam, the corner out of Florida, Andrew Booth Jr., the corner out of Clemson, Trent McDuffie, the corner out of Washington, and Ahmad Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati. Now, I love Gardner. I actually think he's the best of this bunch, most consistent, and I think he's a perfect fit for the zone scheme that Salah and Ulbrich run. Him and Bryce Hall would be a tremendous tandem. I'd love for the Jets to get him. I've actually been in arguments lately on Twitter and even in text messages about the need for the Jets to draft a corner. I don't know what they're actually going to do here, but I think this is a rare opportunity for them to get an ace edge and an ace corner. And to me, getting a top flight corner is so difficult. You can get wide receivers all over the draft. Cornerbacks, it's very tough to do. Just look at how valuable Jalen Ramsey was in a trade, for example. So when you look at this cornerback class, tell me about these guys and do any of them, to you, feel like somebody that might make sense for the Jets, A, because of the system that they run, and B, in terms of stepping in right away and maybe being that number one corner that they do need? Because while Brandon Eccles has played better than people expected, being a sixth-round pick, I don't really see him as a long-term solution as a starting corner. I see him more as a depth piece. My friend Joe Blewett over at JetsXFactor.com has done some great film work throughout the year, and he has shown numerous times where Eccles got beaten like a drum, especially on big third down plays. The Jets need to fix that. They have an opportunity to do that. So what do you think, Jordan? They've got two first-round picks here. They could sit where they are, maybe move around a little bit, but those are the five guys that, to me at least, seem to be in consideration for a first-round spot. What do you think of them and the rest of this cornerback class? I agree with that um, assessment. I think Roger McCreary could also be in consideration for first round. I don't believe you mentioned him out of Auburn. Mm -hmm. um, he is behind all five of those guys for me, but a lot of people have him as a first round pick. So you look at Derek Stingley, hasn't played a lot over the last two years due to injury, but in terms of talent, there's no, there's no equal, in my opinion, in this class to Derek Stingley because and just if he was healthy over the last two years or even for one of these years i think you're looking at a sure sure thing top three top four pick but he has dealt with the injuries um he's got the length the size the play demeanor unbelievable athleticism like his speed is just it's unparalleled, I believe, and I think his hip fluidity and his ball skills, his instincts, everything that you could ask for from a cornerback Derek Stingley possesses, but you have the red flag with the injuries. Is he going to have a clean bill of health? Are we worried about long-term um, just having an injury-prone star? You obviously don't want that. So that's the question with Derek Stingley. Um, then you look at Sauce Gardner, like you mentioned. I think the question is... Does he have the hip fluidity and the athleticism to be a, a consistent corner at the next level? I think he does. I think he's going to rise throughout the process because you literally have never seen him get beat uh, with any regularity. He, he just had a, a fantastic season and teams are scared to target him because he's so long. He's very aggressive. He's very smart, instinctual. 
there's so much to like about him. I agree with you. Um, and then I think Andrew Booth, he's a guy that's rising for a lot of people. He didn't have the most consistent tape at Clemson, but if there was a guy to challenge Stingley just from a physical perspective, physicality in terms of you know the athletic ability, um, the the pursuit ability, just in terms of being you know potentially CB one, I think Andrew Booth is the guy that has the closest um, level of overall talent to Derek Stingley, but I didn't see quite enough at Clemson for him to be in the same range as Stingley for me, but he makes plays that 99% of cornerbacks cannot make plays and plays on the ball in the air. You saw one in his final game where it was just, it was unbelievable. The, the athletic ability that he has with the ball in the air to go deflect some of these passes and he he's physical against the run. I didn't see it consistently, but he definitely is good in pursuit when he wants to be. So I think he's another guy. You kind of have to figure out why wasn't it as consistent as you would like for Andrew Booth, but the upside is through the roof with him right there with Derek Stingley. Um, Kair Elam. I'm going to be interested to see how fast he runs. He's a really smart, really technical man cover corner. I think he could definitely improve in his run support um, and his tackling form. But we've seen a lot of Florida Gator cornerbacks kind of struggle lately, and you don't want to put him into that box just because of the helmet he wears. But certainly I think it would give some teams pause just because we've seen so much, uh, so many struggles from these top flight Florida cornerbacks over the last half decade or so. But I think he's a guy that um, – should be able to excel in zone or man coverage, press man coverage. Um, and Trent McDuffie, I think he's going to be the best value at cornerback of this draft because I think he's going to go after all four of those guys that we mentioned. And he is one of my favorite players in the entire draft. I, I think I have him ranked in the top 20. I think he's my cornerback three right now, ahead of Sauce Gardner and Kyer Elam behind Stingley and Booth. Uh, he played more off off zone coverage and off man coverage than press man, but he has the physicality to do pretty much anything you want him to. I think he can be really effective outside and in the nickel at the next level. He has just super feisty and fiery play demeanor. He's very athletic. Um, he's got good enough size at 5'11", 195 to hold up outside or inside. I think he's going to be one of the steals of the draft. Jordan DeLugo, who covers the Jaguars for Generation Jag, but also does great draft work over on his own website, thedraftjournal.com. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Check out everything that Jordan is doing over there. As you can tell, he's got great insight and observation, so I'm sure he's going to be a somewhat frequent guest as we get closer and closer to draft season. Also check out everything that we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant has a great All-22 video breaking down Zach Wilson's excellent performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from this past Sunday. We're going to start having prospect videos up there soon as well, so watch out for that. 
Visit our store over at tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Quentin Williams, John Franklin Myers, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.